digital age of agriculture is upon us. And while agrotechnology has only really emerged globally in the past decade, even in its youthful stages, it has broken through previously impenetrable barriers and continues to transform the development of agriculture in today's society. Agrotechnology has presented itself among Australian farms in all shapes and forms. GPS applications in precision agriculture to revolutionise cropping systems, airborne drones allow livestock tracking and monitoring in remote areas, genetically modified organisms increasing production yields are just some examples of how advanced technologies have reshaped traditional farming practices in Australia. You're listening to The Yarn, a podcast for and about the Australian wool industry. I'm Ellie Bigwood and today we're exploring some of the happenings in the digital age of wool. Marius Cummings spoke with Mark Ferguson from NextGen Agri on the commercial application of the AWI Smart Tag, and then with Will Wilson, who provided an update on the online wool exchange portal, WoolQ. How could these digital applications apply to your business? Let's first up hear from Mark Ferguson to find out. We're here at Serpentine, and I'm here with Mark Ferguson from NextGen Agri. And uh, we've had another day of workshops in the digital age, for want of a better term. Mark, uh, welcome back to The Yarn. Thanks very much, Marius. Good to be back on. So it's such an exciting time in agriculture. Uh, There is a lot of sizzle and it's hard to see where the sausage is at times when it comes to uh, this digital age. But through these workshops, it seems like you're, you're teasing out some really practical solutions to be solved through digital technology. Yeah, the workshops have been really great. The wool growers are coming out and, and sort of helping us think about different ways to apply the tag that AWI have spent a couple of years developing. And, and every workshop, something new comes up, some different application comes up. So it's, it's fantastic to get those different insights coming into to us who can hopefully help, help make that happen. So I presume uh, predation, animal health uh, and stock theft are some of the fairly obvious things that farmers want out of these smart tags. Yeah, it's sort of being regionally uh, different across different regions at the moment, but I think, um, yeah, those three plus quite a few production things around lambing, um, alerts that um, when I'm using trouble lambing or use cast, um, alerts when you use a wormy or, um, yeah, lots of animal welfare, I guess, implications or alerts, and also production things around grazing when, when sheep need to be shifted when they're when they're happy um yeah a whole heap of things that i guess seemed like pipe dreams a few years ago but now we've got a tag that we can hopefully deploy on on animals and make it happen so this is a a, a tag that is uh, has a, a solar panel on it um everyone says that'll be cut off at shearing and all these sorts of things but at the moment uh you can monitor in real time uh second by second almost where sheep are at, at any particular time monitored by a, a Wi-Fi network and in three dimensions. Uh, can you sort of explain it better than I have, since <laughs> I messed it up? <laughs> yeah, so the tag will give us location by, by trilateration, so by having some um, readers out in the, in the paddock, it'll give us, so that'll tell us where the sheep are. It'll tell us what the sheep's doing by, by accelerometer, which is essentially a Fitbit on a sheep, three different axes, which, which leave a different uh, signature, basically, for different activities, grazing, sitting, standing... Uh, ruminating hopefully so yeah that allows us to work out what's happening with that animal and what it's up to and then also proximity to other animals is um, another thing that we can use for a different for different purposes so yeah it's got some some really good capability that enable us to really understand what's going on in the paddock and uh, with that there's also the the bluetooth capacity through uh, pedigree yeah well. so that so that proximity and yeah proximity to each other enables us to say right which which lamb is 
is hanging around with you and, and we've seen with my previous investment um, that, that that is really accurate at pricking up which, which user or which land belong to which user and that gives us pedigree in the paddock basically. This sort of technology is uh, obviously taken up by studs initially uh, using high value animals in, in relatively small spaces but how commercial do you think it really could be? Do you, is this something more than a pipe dream? Yeah, no, I think that's where the rubber really hits the road when we get commercial applications. And that might be that we only have a proportion of the ewes tagged up for some purposes. So if you want to know that where that mob is or what's happening with that mob, then, a, then only a small proportion of those animals could be tagged up commercially. But then, I'm, yeah, I'm, I guess yeah, I'm completely confident that um, commercial people will want to do pedigree. They will want to yield map their sheep in a much more, with much greater accuracy than we ever have before. And that to get which ones are rearing twins and singles and what their weaning weight is, we need need that pedigree. And I think if the price point's right, then, then that happens. So do you think it has more application for individual management and production of individual animals, or do you think it might also be more, well, as important to see where a mob is grazing and mob-based activity? So the modelling that we've done so far says that it's the mob-based stuff is the real bang for your buck. Um, I think the interesting things are on the individual, but... The actual uh, looks like that it, being able to utilise our farms with greater accuracy, shifting sheep at the right time, um, making sure sheep aren't losing weight if they are losing weight, we know about it at least. So that seems like, by the modelling, that's going to be the biggest bang for the buck. Have we got a sense of time when this might be available? There's a series of three-year projects that AWI are investing in at the moment, and I think all of them kind of at their, have at their end point something fairly commercially relevant. So within the next three years, we should be seeing serious things, whether it's commercial by them, but it'll be, it'll be prototypes in the hands of farmers by them for sure. Oh, that's fantastic. So uh, you've also been uh, talking a lot about uh, your facial recognition uh, work, and this is something that's had a lot of interest on social media. Um, tell us a bit about that, because uh, this is something that you're really quite excited about. Very excited. So um, I guess facial, anyone that's been through an airport in the last few years will have, will have experienced facial recognition in the sense that you don't have people asking questions you just get an image of your face and and, and that links to your identity. Um, the question was, with well, the project that AWI funded a year ago was, can we do the same in sheep? Do all sheep look the same? Um, and it turns out they don't look the same. So we've, um, through taking an image of the sheep face and or head and body and then training that through a couple of different machine learning processes, we're predicting accuracy of that individual or identifying that individual really accurately. And that was some work with AWI and, and Sydney University. It was a very involved project where you were taking um, many, many, many images um, in, in crates of a lot of animals and it wasn't just uh, of, of the head, I understand. Yeah, so we had um, four different cameras on a, on a specially designed crate. We took 100 images from each of those cameras on 4,000 different sheep. So that was, and we ended up with about 1.5 million images, um, 500 gigabytes of data, which, which uh, blew all my previous experiences of, of handling data. You took a lot of images of a lot of sheep. Uh, it wasn't just uh, of the head, but from above. So it was from three angles, I think, three or four angles. Yep. So we had a side camera, a back camera, a front camera, and a top camera. And so we're using those for different things. Um, the project had was kind of prototyping what we could use images and machine learning combined around the sheep industry. So it was the head, the front image was for facial recognition. The top image and the side image were mainly for predicting body weight through cameras. Um, and then the back image and the both the other images were also used for predicting body and neck wrinkle. And you came out with some pretty surprising results and uh, predictability. Yeah, so ID was good, really accurate. Um, 
and then body weight we're predicting up to about 90% of the of the actual body weight through those couple of images which was uh, and that was that would get better as we put more data into it or more images into the system wrinkle was a bit back a bit and that was was a couple of reasons for that the data set you need to really we need to work hard to find really wrinkly sheep these days and 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 we also had issues with people aren't that predictable which is why we want a machine learning algorithm because the actual people predicting that that wrinkle score weren't that repeatable so you're really tapping into the power of computing and this is where this concept of machine learning is quite amazing what what is machine learning well, I'm not the expert, but... Um, well, is it a case of a computer learning from its own experience and, uh, and increasing its, uh, its accuracy in predictions based on, its, uh, based on the data that comes through? Yeah. Well, we've been using a convolutional neural networks, which essentially uses the same structure as, as the brain is. So that was what it was based on, how the, how the brain functions. And so it uses all those layers and it essentially takes in all the information that we put in there. We don't know what it's which ones are informative and which ones not. So an image, it could be predicting from any part of that image. But it learns, and you feed out what the measured aspect of that image is, and it learns to, to predict the thing that you've trained it on, and it, and it continues to learn. So it doesn't just, it's not like creating a, a linear model where you get a prediction equation. You actually, it'll actually, as you put in more information, it'll learn from its mistakes previous and get better and better. Right, so it's, yeah, it's incredibly powerful. But And bring that back to a farm level, what does that mean? Does it mean that in... In the future, you could put a camera by a trough and measure if that sheep was gaining weight or losing weight? Yeah, so as we, as this technology develops and as we get more investment in, it, in the sheep industry, we'll start seeing um, yeah, predictive capacity like, like weighing from cameras, and that could be on a trough. Um, things like structural assessment, or, um, which can all be done by image analysis. Um, I think production assessment, so early age prediction of productive outcome by and we won't know what it's seeing we'll just if we get enough data in there we'll, we'll be able to the machine will be able to help us with that things like welfare um even even id in the paddock so when a when a used lambing grazing so some of the things we're using tags to do now maybe machine learning and images um in future we can do that um, because it'll it can depict when an animal's grazing or when a when an animal's lambing or, or all that sort of stuff so we're wasting our money on the, all these smart tags no, I think we. I think they're all. Obviously, you never know which technology is going to be the one that really, really wins out. And I think, in my mind, the smart tags are probably the way we train the machine learning in the future. Um, so it's it's something that we can measure, and it's an interim step in my mind. But it will be awesome to train image-based machine learning going forward. It's an amazing new era for agriculture, and uh, uh, it must be amazing to be at the, at the absolute cutting edge of it, Mark. It's fantastic. I think. I think. Um, I guess. I, at the moment, every talk I give, I keep saying the best is yet to come, and I truly believe it's, there's no more exciting time to be in the sheep industry. It's fantastic. We've got buoyant prices, but we've got this amazing opportunity and technology, which I think allows us to answer lots of questions that we've always wanted to answer. How much are sheep entering in the, in the paddock? How, what's their maternal behaviour? Things that we could never assess because we didn't have the technology. So, it, yeah, it opens up so many, so many questions, and we are now only limited by imagination rather than by technology. Incredible. Now, you have a fascinating dual life in that you spend a lot of time in New Zealand as well as here in Australia. What's the health of the New Zealand uh, wool industry like, particularly the merino industry? Uh, yeah, they're having a, um, I guess, wool's having a day in the sun um, and the New Zealand industry is enjoying that, that day in the sun in terms of pricing. Similar to Australia, the meat prices are really good, wool prices have been really good, season much better than, than what we've been experiencing in Australia. So, yeah, generally the, the mood in, in New Zealand is, is very positive. Um, there's actually a big swing 
uh, people getting out of Strongwell and trying to move into the final because of the, the price differential across across that, those two different wall types. And with the developments we've done around foot rot and things, that's becoming more and more feasible. Fantastic. Well, look forward to hearing a bit more about that in the future. But um, for today, thank you very much for your time. And, yeah, thanks for having another yarn. Thanks very much, Marius. We're here with Will Wilson from Wool Q. Will, things have been progressing quite well with Wool Q recently. Yes, look, thanks, Marius, for the opportunity to talk to you again. I think it was some six months ago where we last caught up and uh, there's a bit to um, fill you in on since that time. Just to let you know, we've now released the full suite of wool grower tools on WoolQ, including our eSpecie tool um, and indeed what we've decided to call the WoolQ network, which includes a directory of wool growers, brokers, buyers and classes and connected with that directory and at what we're calling the WoolQ Forum, basically a meeting place for industry to discuss new ideas and information and share learnings that um, growers might be able to, to do you know, via the, their bush telegraph, if you like. But this is, provides a much more efficient way for people to engage and indeed for potential uh, buyers of Australian wool to locate good wool sources from around Australia. Now, in terms of registrations, uh, businesses and wool growers th themselves, how are those numbers coming along? Look, we're pleased to say that we've got in excess of 2,000 wool growers now who've registered their interest on the platform. That is, they're able to access the platform. They've got to log in. We've also seen more than 650 uh, wool industry businesses, that includes wool growers, brokers, buyers and classes, who've built profiles on the platform. And this is obviously important if they're going to be searched by various criteria on the platform. It's the sort of network that we've referred to as the LinkedIn for, for the wool industry. So 650 is good, but obviously we're looking forward to the next 650 businesses registering on the platform. Now, you have spoken to uh, a number of wool events and spoken to a lot of wool growers recently about how WoolQ is progressing. What sort of feedback are you getting? Look, I think the feedback is, is always mixed, but for those people who've, you know, realistically engaged with the platform. I think the, the feedback's been positive. Those who've obviously registered their interest, built a profile for their wool growing business on the platform, utilised the uh, eSpecie in Shed and indeed started collecting data in their My, My Wool Q dashboard. The feedback's been very positive. And I think, you know, We've got to do a lot more work by making sure we get out to more people in the, uh, in the regions and it's fair to say where we've engaged most productively are in areas where we've hired what we've called field officers and these guys have done a great job in getting WoolQ into the shearing sheds and, and assisting growers, their classes and indeed their brokers in utilising this new and important technology. What do you think will be the real catalyst for change? When is it going to hit critical mass where you get a lot of people coming on board and things really moving? Look, I think like many new bits of technology, there is a tipping point where you know, everyone realises that they've got to be involved. And I think it'll potentially be when we launch the final piece of WoolQ kit, if you like, the WoolQ market. This is a really separate and distinct bit of technology that includes an online trading platform. Now, whilst this platform will only be accessible by 
brokers and buyers, registered Australian brokers and buyers. It will provide wool growers with access to real-time market information. And I think at that stage, you know, a successful rollout of, of that service, you know, the first fully automated online auction system that will operate outside the existing open cry market hours, I think we will see a lot more interest. Now... Being part of Woolmark, we hear a lot from uh, retailers, brands and processors and all the noise there is about transparency and uh, to a degree blockchain and all these sorts of things, but they want to know more about what's happening on farm and being able to tell that story to the consumer. Where does WoolQ fit when it comes to traceability and transparency? Look, that's a really good question, Marius. I mean, I was involved in the wool selling system review uh, back in 2015, and it was interesting. One of the messages we got from both growers and indeed retailers at the other end was we'd like to have more information. The growers, we'd like to know more about what happens to the wool once it leaves our property. Uh, and similarly, the, um, the retailers, particularly the Northern Hemisphere retailers, were keen to know you know, what was the story of their wool? How did, how did, you know, did their garment begin its life on farm in Australia? And so, um, look, I think what WoolQ can do is provide the first three phases, if you like, of building a supply chain traceability. Um, we start collecting the data at the beginning of the, the wool's data journey, if you like, in shed via the eSpecy. Um, that wool is then sent off for testing at AWTA and uh, the grower can receive that test data back into their wool queue account via their broker, as I say. And finally, when that wool's sold at auction or via an online platform, that sale information can be stored online by the grower to allow them to make you know, real, you know, realistic comparisons from one year to the next. As we sort of venture into this digital age in agriculture, things are, are really starting to open up and uh, wool growers, I've noticed, and you'll probably notice, are, are getting really interested in WoolQ and what it might offer them. Um, how do people engage with WoolQ? Um, you've got a number of events coming up where um, yourself and other WoolQ staff will be present. Yeah, look, it's a, it's a really good, good question, Marius. I mean, you know, the first thing, you know, I'd urge wool growers to do is to register... Uh, on the WoolQ platform, www.woolq.com. But we've got to get out there as well to talk to growers. And so, you know, we're obviously engaging with growers at various events. Uh, in the next month or so, we'll be, um, you could find us at Sheepvention in Hamilton uh, in early August. Then just a couple of days later at Texpo in Wagen and Katanning in WA. And, you know, We'd really love to, to speak to people in other regions as well. So if there is uh, some interest in you know, getting a WoolQ representative to a various event, by all means, you know, make contact with us at woolq.com and certainly we're happy to be available to, to individual growers, uh, growers collectively or indeed any industry uh, professionals that, that we might be able to engage with because only by getting out there are we going to get the message out there. Okay, so if you've got an event coming up and you'd like WoolQ to be there, there can be a WoolQ person there. Absolutely. And, you know, and bear in mind that uh, we've got a number of field officers operating around the country who are actually going out and demonstrating the WoolQ tools in shed, who are also holding, you know, various um, demonstrations, if you like, around the country, demonstrating to wool growers 
their partners, the brokers and indeed wool classes, uh, the full effectiveness of the wool, wool queue tools. And uh, just finally, Will, from uh, further downstream, are you hearing from uh, processors, retailers, brands, maybe even designers, are they genuinely interested in wool queue? Are they suddenly wanting to come on board and uh, perhaps aggregate wools or look at wools for sale? Definitely, Marius. I mean, one of the things that we found particularly useful for the wool queue directory is it allows um, processors and indeed retailers uh, outside Australia to, to locate specific wool growing enterprises and indeed, as you say, you know, combining you know, groups of, of growers from a particular region. I mean, recently we got a call from a retailer in the Northern Hemisphere who was keen to engage with wool growers in the um, Flinders Ranges region of South Australia. And we were able to provide them with the ability to search for wool growers in that region. And obviously, you know, there are retailers and processors who want to, you know, to use other searchability criteria to find specific types of wool. This can be done on wool queue. And you know, often we get the, the message from growers, yeah, but I've got a great website. You know, Unfortunately, if I don't know who you are, it's very difficult for me to search for you. And that's what wool queue provides. Fantastic. So really there's um, a lot of opportunity to engage um, in the next few months and uh, certainly to, to contact AWI or someone at WoolQ directly to, to come and speak to your group of wool growers. Absolutely. And, you know, just if I could urge growers particularly to, you know, go to www.woolq.com, register their interest and we'll, that means we've opened the lines of communication and as we develop more tools within the platform, you'll be aware of them for anyone else. Fantastic. So uh, get on board, register, get your wool closer to the consumer. And um, Will, thanks again for having a yarn with us. Maris, thank you very much. Always enjoy the opportunity. If you haven't already registered on WoolQ or want to learn more about the Wool Exchange Portal, you can do this for free at www.woolq.com. And we no doubt look forward to bringing you more digital development updates in the future. Well, that's all for this week on The Yarn. If you have a burning question or feedback on the episode, please get in touch with us at theyarnatwool.com. We're on Twitter at Wool Innovation and Instagram at Beyond the Bale. I'm Ellie Bigwood. Thanks for your company and I look forward to our next yarn. Yarn.